I have uh, what you call a theatrical trained voice, which sounds a little English, a little Southern, and Tallulah Bankhead came from Jasper, Alabama, and so she had Southern with a little of this. Anyway, I had a cold once on Lux, a very, very bad cold, and when I get a cold, my voice goes deeper and deeper and deeper, and this was the one that was starring Tallulah, and I had the first line, and she looked up at the director, Fred Mackay, and she said, darling, you have got to be kidding. At that point, I said, oh, this is the easiest money I ever had, and I left and was paid, you know. <laughs> I thought it very amusing. I've been mistaken for her and Catherine Hepburn and everybody. April 18, 1954, was both the first day of Passover and Easter Sunday. In Los Angeles, the weather was warm and foggy. The front page of the L.A. Times predicted record crowds at Easter services. The Major League Baseball season was underway. It would be three years before Los Angeles imported the Dodgers from Brooklyn. Two days prior, VP Richard Nixon told the press he feared the U.S. would be forced to send troops to Vietnam. That evening at 7.30 p.m. over CBS's KNX, the Whistler signed on the air, guest starring Betty Lou Gerson and John Stevenson. The Signal Oil Program, The Whistler. That whistle is your signal for the signal oil program, The Whistler. I am The Whistler, and I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Yes, friends, it's time for the Signal Oil program, The Whistler. Rated by independent research, the most popular program on the West Coast. The Whistler had become one of West Coast Radio's most famous regional programs since its launch in 1942. Voiced by Bill Foreman, the Whistler's narration omnisciently taunted the characters. Stories were often told from the guilty party's perspective. Their guilt was known, but the outcome was in doubt. And now the Whistler's strange story, Traveling Companion. The Whistler character was so popular, Columbia Pictures made eight films between 1944 and 48. Dorothy Roberts whistled the notes. Standing in the lobby of the Hotel Continental in Pisa, Italy, with a group of some 20 other tourists, Clara Marshall, age 25, and attractive enough to draw attention anywhere, was smiling quietly to herself, and with good reason. Yes, Clara, for the past eight months you've handled things perfectly, haven't you? Wanted by the Chicago police for your part in a series of minor swindles, you slipped out of town and covered your tracks so successfully they lost all trace of you. Some weeks later, in a Los Angeles bookstore, you casually made the acquaintance of elderly, wealthy Harriet Wilson and took full advantage of this chance meeting, didn't you, Clara? Yes, 
Now you're not only her trusted employee, but her secretary and traveling companion on a tour of Europe and waiting on a foggy Italian morning to accompany her on a guided tour of Pisa. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but I'm forced to cancel today's tour. Too foggy. Oh, but Guy, the streetcars are running. You needn't drive the bus. Sorry, Miss Marshall. It would be impossible to take a group this size through the foggy city on streetcars. Too dangerous. But we don't plan to come through this city again. And Miss Wilson had so counted on seeing the Leaning Tower. Isn't that right, Harriet? Well, yes, I had looked forward to but it. you know we're leaving this afternoon. Please, Guy, won't you reconsider? Uh, Miss Marshall, in the interest of the group as a whole, I... Uh, I am sorry, really. Oh, really, I don't... Why? Pardon me, miss. What? I couldn't help overhearing. It seems a shame that fellow American visitors who are so interested in seeing historical places should not see them. <laughs> it looks as if not much is going to be done about well, that. Well, I was just going to suggest... Oh? ...that I'd be glad to take you to the Leaning Tower. It really isn't far from here. Oh, would you? Well, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it, Harriet? Well, uh, why, yes, it would. Good. Let's lose no time, then. This way, ladies. <laughs> You smile, don't you, Clara? Leaving the hotel and boarding the crowded streetcar. As you steal a glance at the stranger, you notice that he's studying you, too, very closely, as if memorizing every detail of your appearance. And Harriet is quite excited about the whole adventure as the car rattles along the street. Clara, just think about going through the streets of Pisa, in the fog and on a streetcar. <laughs> it's so thrilling. <laughs> it was nice of you to offer to escort us. It means a lot to see places we've seen in pictures so often. I want to go to the top of the tower and look down. Yes, they say that's where Galileo proved his theory about weights falling at the same rate of speed, you know. Oh, yes. <laughs> I just love to try dropping something. <laughs> uh, ladies, I'm sorry, but I won't be able to take you to the tower today after all. What? Well, you said it wasn't far. I'm sorry, but it's unavoidable. Come, let's get off at the next stop. Seems we have no choice. And in this fog. You'll be all right. Get off at the third stop in the returning car and you'll be right at your hotel. We'll remember. I'm sorry, it's just that I have a most important engagement and it's later than I realized. It just isn't my day. Thanks anyway, Mr... Hungate. Raymond Hungate. I'll try and see you later. Goodbye for now. <laughs> As the three of you step from the streetcar, Raymond slips something into your pocket and quickly puts his fingers to his lips to silence you and suddenly he's gone into the fog. As you look around, you notice two men who left the streetcar just before it pulled away hurry off in the same direction Raymond took. You feel sure they're following him, don't you, Clara? Harriet seems concerned only with watching for a returning car and is relieved as it appears and you're soon back at your hotel. At last. Oh, this hotel room looks good to me. My, now, why would he offer to take us to the Leaning Tower and then deliberately leave us stranded in the middle of this strange city in the fog? Well, I believe he meant to take us, but something he couldn't help caused him to leave. Mm, perhaps you're right. <laughs> now that we're back safe and sound, I'll admit it was a thrill. And he was nice looking, wasn't he? <laughs> yes. And it seemed he was going to be an interesting guide. Now, he was an American, but seemed to know his way around here in this foreign land. I 
wonder Harriet, if... I believe it's best not to discuss this with the others on the tour. Oh? Uh, well, maybe you're right. Well, they'd have the laugh on us if they knew the details. Yes. Let's admit we didn't get to the tower, but forget the rest. Hmm? You're right, my dear. Hmm. Well... I wonder what the others are doing now. Oh, probably playing bridge. Why don't you go down and see if they have enough for full tables? I believe I will. Uh, won't you come along? Uh, not right now. But let's keep this our secret. Hmm? Uh -huh. Between you and me, I believe we'll see Mr. Raymond Hungate again. Oh, I do hope so. <laughs> My, isn't this romantic? Wouldn't it be something if you met your future husband here in Italy? On a foggy day. Oh, Harriet, <laughs> you're going overboard. It's time you joined your friends. All right, but I like the idea anyway. <laughs> You'll join us soon, dear. In a little while, Harriet. Uh -huh. Yes. You feel relieved when the door finally closes, don't you, Clara? And you cross the room quickly. Get Raymond's package from the pocket of your coat. You unwrap it, open the box carefully, and gasp as you view its contents. A necklace, a diamond necklace. You're startled, aren't you, Clara? And you wonder if the diamonds in the necklace are real. It seems unlikely that a perfect stranger would entrust you with something so valuable. But after the tour moves on to the city of Rome, you manage to leave Harriet for a short time and seek out a reliable-looking jewelry store. I want to see if the clasp on a necklace is all right. I'll be glad to help you, miss. Uh, here it is. Oh, my. How very beautiful. So well-designed. Worth many thousands of American dollars, eh? I suppose. <laughs> ah, but it is, miss. I know. A very valuable piece. Uh, the clasps seem all right? Mm, one moment. Uh, yes. Yes, it seems in perfect order. But it is well to be careful. Oh, thank you so much. You see, my, uh, my aunt wanted to wear it tomorrow evening, but wanted to be sure that it would be safe. I understand. Um, could I show you anything while you're here? <laughs> Not now, thank you. But what you tell me about the necklace is most reassuring. Events have conspired to bring you luck, haven't they? Unexpectedly, a man named Raymond Hungate, escorting you to the Leaning Tower of Pisa, suddenly found a reason to leave you, but left a valuable diamond necklace in your coat pocket. Now in Rome, you find yourself thinking about the two determined-looking men who were following Mr. Hungate. And you realize that if, by chance, they caught up with him, the necklace will remain yours. But shortly after leaving the jewelry shop, you suddenly become aware of someone walking at your side. You look up quickly and recognize the man you met in Pisa, Raymond Hungate. He speaks low as you near a small basement restaurant. Would you like some refreshments, Miss Marshall? After all, we have something important to discuss. All right. I think this should prove an interesting place. Table for two, please. This way. Now, how about that one back in the corner? Very good, sir. Oh, thank you. For now, we'd uh, just like some coffee. Perhaps something else later on. Very good, sir. Well, maybe 
Have you been enjoying your trip since you were so rudely left in the fog in Pisa? Yes, but no thanks to you. I apologize. It was unforgivable to leave you stranded, but believe me, it was most necessary. So I gathered that your two friends that followed you off the streetcar catch up with you. No. No, thanks to the fog, they didn't. And I want to know, I, I appreciate your cooperation. Oh, think nothing of it. Uh, your coffee, sir. Thank you. Uh, were you satisfied that the diamonds were real? I noticed you were having the jeweler look the necklace over. Just making sure the clasp was in good condition. You would have felt rather foolish if the clerk had recognized that necklace as a stolen one. Is it? Could be. Or hadn't you guessed? But if you had known, you would, of course, have taken it to the authorities. No. No, I've thought about it, and then I thought about something else. Uh-huh. How would you like a partner? Did you say partner? Yes, don't be so overwhelmed. You already have one, you know. Otherwise, I'd have turned the necklace over to the police. You're right. You see, it could be uh, a convenient setup. If you're interested in stolen or black market jewelry, you'll sooner or later be suspected. Perhaps your room and luggage searched. Eventually, you'll be caught. Yes, that isn't a very pretty picture, is I'm it? I'm serious. If someone were to take the jewels and keep them for you, someone who wouldn't be suspected, someone, say, who's just uh, on a sightseeing tour, wouldn't your work be easier? I'm beginning to see your point. However, what about your traveling companion? She seems quite a, a chatterbox. Harry? <laughs> She'd be an asset. She's already set up a storybook romance for us. I'm sure she'd keep quiet about our seeing one another from time to time. Perhaps, given the story that you're on some dangerous secret mission. Ah. Well, the plan might have some advantages. And how do I know I can trust two women? Haven't you already found out? For my part, I can use some extra income. I'm getting somewhat fed up playing nursemaid to Harriet Wilson. Well, I'll have to give it some thought. Meanwhile, do you want me to keep the necklace for you? Why... Yes. You might as well, partner. <laughs> I thought so. And don't worry about Harriet. I'll keep her happy. The Whistler would finally go off the air after the September 8th, 1955 episode. <laughs> 